What do you think, Josh? Should we kick it? All right. Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you all for coming. If you, uh, if you didn't get a handout on the way in, I'm going to be going through it uh, line by line, so uh, please grab one. <clears throat> there's a pretty good chance we won't get through the whole handout. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there, and uh, with the time change, everybody's still kind of rubbing the sleep out of their eyes. I don't, I don't want to just fly through it and talk so fast that you know, nobody gets anything. So, <clears throat> For those of you that I haven't met, my name is Ty Goodbar. Uh, my wife Katie and I have been a member here, been members for a couple of years. And uh, as we go through this, uh, I've got a couple of points where I'll stop and ask questions, but <clears throat> excuse me. If at any point uh, something comes to mind you'd, you'd like to share it or you have a question and want to clarify, um, want to put me on the, on the spot and see if you can stump me, um, which is a good chance you could, uh, just please raise your hand and, and I don't want this to be a conversation. Um, if you're new and haven't, uh, haven't been to one of these before, our Foundations is a thematic series in which we look across the Bible at essential doctrines of our faith uh, that teach us things about God and about ourselves. So typically on our, in our you know, morning service, we usually work through books of the Bible, but in here we kind of uh, we look at themes that go across the Bible. And so today we're going to look at the, the names of God as they're presented in Scripture and, uh, and how, how they can help us and edify us and teach us about God and about ourselves. So, um, to start off, I'd like you to think about a person or people in your life that uh, their name evokes strong feelings. I think about, uh, back to when I first started dating Katie, who's now my wife in college, and how just hearing her name made my heart rate kind of speed up, you know, and get nervous. Um, my wife's sweet grandfather, who she calls Pa, and uh, she's adored for her entire life. Or uh, a man named Ray Lawrence, who shared the gospel with me when I was a freshman in college, and uh, and is the reason is the man that God used to save me. So, what names of people in your life provoke feelings of love or admiration in your heart? Um, I think we can all think of someone. So, when you hear those names, your heart and your mind do something. Uh, the names evoke different emotions and different feelings and responses depending on the person's character that you're thinking about. <clears throat> so today we're going to see that God desires that the same sorts of things happen uh, in our hearts when we hear his name in its many forms. And so he wants us to think about him in specific ways that evoke love and trust and worship because of who he is and what he's done for us. So if you have a handout, uh, I'll go over the main idea which is, and it's kind of woven throughout everything we're going to talk about today, that God's names reveal who God is and what he is like so that his people will respond by loving, trusting, and worshiping him as he deserves. So who he is, what he's like, and how it uh, leads us to respond. So starting with first, uh, first bullet there, why, why God gives himself names. And this, uh, this A through F here, this is kind of be, going to be the, sort of the application portion uh, and we'll spend probably most of our time in this section um, just going through kind of God's purposes for giving himself names. And then uh, Roman numerals 2 and 3 are kind of expanding on God's various names in the Old and New Testaments. Um, but it'll, you'll kind of use the framework that we uh, established in the first, first section there. So, Okay, so Roman numeral A. And, and as I go through here, uh, we're going to have a lot of Scripture verses. So if I could get my, uh, my extroverts to help us out and uh, 
and read some, maybe some introverts too, uh, read some scripture. That would be great, so I'm not talking the whole time. So, so number, uh, letter A there, God's name sets him apart as holy. Um, actually, pause one more, before we start. Um, I've heard it said somewhere that God doesn't tell us everything, but he tells us everything we need to know to understand who he is and how to relate to him in the world. Um, and so, as we'll see here, we get into it, the creative names that God uses for himself are one example of how he kind of condescends or speaks our language or he kind of, because he is high and holy and immortal and so unlike us in so many ways, he kind of comes down and speaks to us as, as his children, as a father or mother might speak to their child. Um, and the last, last point I'll make before we dive in is, uh, I've never personally done this, but if, if you hold like a, you know, a really nice valuable diamond in your hand, like a big one, and you, and you see the way the light rays come through it and they go out in all a million different directions, that's kind of how I look at God's names. Um, is there's not one that's going to capture all the aspects of his character, but they're going to they're reflect him in various different ways. They're going to show one aspect of his nature. Um, and so, yeah, there's infinite ways uh, to think about it. But that's kind of the way that, that came to me as I was thinking about this. I was like, what, you know, what, what can I compare this to? So, <clears throat> all right. So, any questions before we start on what we're doing and why we're here? Okay. Great. Uh, I'm going to pray real quick, and then uh, we're going to open the Word. Lord, thank you for the brothers and sisters here this morning. Thank you that we get to gather and open your word. And uh, thank you that for your viewing, re- revealing yourself to us, Lord, that you want us to know you. And uh, you want us to know you in a complex and deep and rich way. Uh, so you've given yourself lots of names uh, that all describe different aspects of your nature and your character um, to help us, Lord, and to edify us. And I pray that this morning as we look at some of these, that it would stir up worship in our hearts, it would stir up devotion and admiration for you, and that uh, we would walk out of here with a richer understanding of your goodness and your glory, and, and just a, a higher appreciation, Lord, for what it means for you to condescend and speak to us, and, uh, and that you came into the world in the form of a servant, Jesus Christ, and took on flesh, and, and uh, magnified your name in a different way, in a, in a great way, Lord. So thank you for this time, and I pray that your spirit would... Uh, speak through me, speak words of truth, and uh, our hearts would be good soil um, for the seeds that are sown today. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so God's name sets him apart as holy. Could I get a volunteer? Actually, could anyone, would anyone like to define the word holy for us? Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of what pops into my mind is you imagine this line, you've heard like the sacred and the profane, um, and the easiest way to think about it is God and, and humanity. So, I mean, God is holy. He is, he is set apart. He is categorically in another box. There's a line that's a hard line, not a dotted line between him and us, and so he is set apart. He is gloriously unlike all other supposed gods, and his name reminds us that he is the one true God. He is sacred. He is uh, sacrosanct. So could somebody please read Isaiah 57, 15 for us? For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so you can see it there. It's this incredible, incredible duality that God has. Um, he wants his people to be clear that, hey, I am set apart because of my holiness. Uh, and apart from Christ, you know, you can't approach me. You can't be in my presence. Uh, 
you know, we, we are, <laughs> the gulf between us is, uh, is, you know, impossible to cross without Christ. But, so I'm, I'm set apart, I'm, I'm in my high and lifted up, I inhabit eternity. And that always is something that blows my mind. So, so because God is eternal, there's never a time that he wasn't, like he always was. And so uh, when he created the world, time was something he created. That's always something that really kind of makes my brain hurt a little bit. But, um, but it's good. It's comforting. You know? it's, it just gives you a sense of his, his majesty and his power. So he dwells in the high and holy place. And, but at the same time, if we repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ, he dwells in our hearts, uh, the humble place of contrite hearts. So as you see in the verse there, uh, he, is, he is both in the high and holy place and also near to us. Uh, through Christ. He is with us. He's in our hearts um, to comfort us and to teach us and to, uh, to show us how to, to live in this world. Um, and that's kind of, in some ways, that's kind of the heart of Christianity. So uh, the fact that God became a man, uh, you don't find that in any other faith. That he, came, he comes down and instead of us trying to work our way to God and, and like I said, bridge the gulf and bridge the gap, um, God actually comes down to us and he says, I know you're not capable of living in a holy way that I've, you know, that I've called you to live, and so I'm going to do the work for you. So Christ takes our sins and uh, takes our punishment for our sins on the cross. And then, but he doesn't leave us there. He actually sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts and to help us and teach us on the long road of sanctification uh, to be more like him. So um, that's kind of at the heart of what we believe as Christians. Okay, so moving on to the next verse, Exodus uh, chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Can someone please read that for us? Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent, it, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Thank you, Josh. So um, we're kind of, in the story of Moses, we're kind of turning the movie on in the middle here. Uh, but, but the context of this verse, um, God has appeared to Moses in the form of a burning bush, and he's, he's called Moses to be the one who's going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery to the Promised Land. And uh, for a variety of reasons, Moses is kind of nervous. Uh, he's going to lead millions of people, and he kind of has a stuttering problem. He, he didn't, this was not the plan he had for his life. Um, and so he's, he's nervous about, if I go before you know, the leaders of Israel, and I say, hey, look, God's given me this authority. I'm going to be the one to take us out, so follow me. You know, they're going to question who are you? What is the God of your father has sent me to you? And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Uh, the eternal, um, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Um, the same God that made the promises to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like that God. So, so there's no doubt um, when the Israelites hear this, you know, on whose authority Moses is coming to, to lead them out. Um, and when I, uh, when I read this section, I, I can't help but think about the end of uh, John chapter 8. Um, Jesus gets into a heated argument with the Pharisees about who are the true children of Abraham, 
who, who's doing the work of the devil. Um, they're going back and forth, accusing each other. And, you know, obviously Jesus is right. Um, but Jesus tells them, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, meaning Abraham looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. And, and the tense that Jesus uses when he's talking to them, they confuse them. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, you're not even 50 years old. And you're saying you've seen Abraham or you know what Abraham said or thought. To which Jesus replies, before Abraham was, I am. And the Pharisees and everyone around would have immediately known, he, oh, he's talking about Exodus 3. What? He's saying he's that God? So then they picked up stones because uh, they wanted to stone him. because they, they immediately knew what he was talking about. So I just wanted to include that because occasionally um, out in the culture when you're sharing your faith, you sometimes hear skeptics or critics say that Jesus never claimed to be God. Um, and that's one, of the, that's one of the clearest proofs in Scripture. Uh, there's more, but um, yeah, Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. Uh, it was true. And he knew what name he was claiming to represent there. So, um, yeah, just on the theme of the power of God's name. So, that obviously, evoked strong feelings in the Pharisees because uh, they were they were misguided. But so that's uh, that's how God's name sets him apart as holy. So we're going to move on to uh, letter B. There, God's name gives salvation to God's people. So God's people, uh, as we as we talked about. Um, we can't save ourselves. We're in desperate need of someone to deliver us from our sins and from our enemies. Um, you guys may have heard me cite this before. One of my favorite hymns, and we only sing it one month out of the year, but Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, I kid you not, that one of the early lines in that, that hymn that says, um, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I don't know what it, it takes like three or four seconds to actually sing that, but I, I kid you not, like tears come to my eyes every time we sing that because... Those four words are so powerful, but they, they encompass such an incredible, glorious truth about what God's done for us, that um, we're born in this natural state of enmity towards God. Um, man, something I've been learning so much about my three-year-old, who I love more than anything in the world, but um, just so natural, so easy to, to sin and disobey, but um, we are born helpless and hopeless. We, there's nothing we can do to bridge the gap between ourselves and God, so... Um, this aspect of God's name where he, he brings the good news that he's going to rescue us, he's going to save us, um, he's going to reconcile us because a state of war or a state of uh, enmity exists between us. Uh, it's just so reassuring. There's no other source of salvation apart from God, and, uh, and this truth is good to meditate on and to re remember that it's not anything in us that uh, we did not merit our salvation, that God has totally reached down to us uh, by grace. So could somebody please read Isaiah 52, 6 and 7? Yeah, just, just a beautiful couple of verses there. Um, God just reflecting on his own name. Um, it is I who speak. And just reminding the Israelites that he alone is the one who saves. That uh, when they have victory in battle or when they you know, escape whatever, uh, whatever band of, of thieves is after him next, that it's really God who's doing all the work. Um, Moving over to the New Testament, could I have somebody read Acts chapter 10, 42 and 43? 
Christ bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Thanks a lot. Um, this verse uh, made me think about, it's not in your handout, but Acts 4.12, which says, there is, so Peter's talking to the council, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So I think those two verses um, make it clear that it is in his name, in Jesus' name, where we actually receive forgiveness of sin. So that's important. Um, kind of tying back to what we talked about earlier, there's, there's no salvation in any other. Um, so it's not, not quite enough to, a lot of times you hear people think, I'm good with God, I've kind of, you know, I've worked out, you know, kind of my, you know, how I'm going to live my life, and he's cool with it. Um, apart from, like, explicit, clear um, faith in Christ and, and uh, repentance of sin and confession, um, there is no, there's no salvation, there's no forgiveness of sin. So, um, just a, a very important aspect of God's name to understand that we must call upon that name to have our sins forgiven and be saved. Okay, so... It's a tiny... Yeah. How do you think that... Does that work by God putting his name on us and then us taking his name as our... As our him as ours? Is that what that means? Just his, the idea that his name saves. Is that... How does that work? I so I think uh, it's like we're calling on him explicitly. I guess what I was trying to say is that like we're not. We have to be specific and clear when we when we ask him to forgive us and we understand who he is and who we are and how that transaction occurs. Um, Where we're taking, we're choosing him. And not other gods. Choosing him yeah. and not ourselves. It's kind of that idea that taking his name is the same as taking him. Yeah, I guess maybe you can compare it to like a marriage where you take someone's, or the wife takes someone's last name. It's you're you're assuming a new identity. It's uh, um, kind of he's I mean he's grafting you into his family, but that uh, yeah you're claiming his name and and as we'll get to it later on, it's um, you're now walking in a way that you're identified publicly as as following him. The same way would it be taking on everything that he took on. So taking, invoking the name of Jesus invokes the whole gospel, right? So everything that he did, dying to yourself, you know, the, the whole gospel, yeah. everything that comes along with the name of Jesus. Yeah. That's how I always thought of also taking on that. Yeah. So, so perhaps like persecution or scorn in this world or the, the good and the bad, right? So, yeah. Thank you. So we'll move on to letter C. Uh, God's name recalls great things God has done. Uh, I know this is certainly true for me. Because, because we as God's people are prone to anxiety and fear, another reason he names himself uh, certain ways is to remind us of his past faithfulness. Um, God did lots of great things with the Israelites that are recorded in Scripture. He's done lots of great things in, in my life. Uh, I'm sure in many of your lives as well. Um, and so one of the aspects of his name, when he... When he when, we hear God's name, he intends it to remind us of how good he's been to us. Um, we're so prone to wander and forget and take for granted just the grace he showers on us uh, so often. Um, so it's good for us spiritually to look back on the things God has done and to reflect on uh, how good he's been. Um, 
So uh, several different passages of Scripture here. If I could just get a couple of volunteers. Uh, we'll start with Isaiah 25.1. Oh, Lord, you are my Yeah, thank you. So just, uh, just a very clear and um, a direct kind of compliment or praise to God that you, your name is worthy to be praised for many reasons, one of which is all the wonderful things you have done uh, in the past and what you promise to do in the future. Um, so, so the next section, uh, the next verse, Genesis sixteen thirteen, is about Hagar. So can I get somebody to read that and then we'll talk about it? Yeah, so, um, so this one in the next couple of verses, again, kind of harkening back to Moses, we're, we're uh, kind of turning the movie on mid, uh, in the middle of the story. But So Hagar was uh, one of the servants of Abraham and his wife Sarah. And uh, long story there, but uh, God had made a promise to them they're going to be fruitful and have a lot of kids. And they were kind of impatient with God's timeline. So one of the ideas they had, what uh, Sarah had, was for Abraham to take her servant and to impregnate her so that he would have uh, children. Um, so understandably, that eventually led to a lot of strife in their home, and um, after some division, Sarah and Abraham um, actually made, Sarah, made Hagar leave and kind of uh, go out in the wilderness with a limited supply of water and food. And uh, so she's out there wandering around with her son, uh, not knowing if she's actually going to survive. She's going to physically die out there in the desert. And so an angel of the Lord comes and comforts her, and her praise to God there is that you've seen me, you've seen my plight. You knew the, knew the dire circumstances I was in, and you saved me. Um, so just a good reminder for us that no matter what we're going through, God hears and sees everything and is not surprised by anything and is there, is near to comfort us and um, has a purpose for, for everything we're walking through. Um, so a little bit later on, Genesis uh, tw- uh, 22, 13 through 14 uh, on Abraham. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Thanks. So yeah, um, story of Abraham, just one of the most unbelievable, powerful stories in Scripture. Um, his his faith in God is tested, likely more than any of our faith has ever been tested, to, to the point where God, God tests him to see if he loves God enough to sacrifice his own son for reasons he doesn't understand. Um, because again, God, God gives him kind of part of the story and prompting, but he doesn't reveal everything to, to see what kind of faith he has. Um, so Abraham goes up to a mountain and... Uh, straps his only son, uh, well, not his only son, Ishmael, but his, his uh, son that he knows the, uh, the seed and the inheritance is going to go through, straps him to a pile of wood and is prepared to, to sacrifice him uh, as God has directed. But at the last moment, God intervenes and says and tells Abraham that, um, you know, basically, I've seen your faith and now I know that uh, if you're willing to do this for me, there's nothing that I can ask you to do that you won't do. So 
Instead, he provides a substitute. Uh, he provides a ram that will offer. And so, so Abraham calls the name of that place the Lord will provide. Um, just an incredible testament to Abraham's faith that he trusted no matter what happened, if he actually, if he took his son's life, that God would provide a way that he would have an heir, um, whether that's bringing him back to life or some other, other means. But um, just an incredible allegory for a later mountain where God's son would, would uh, climb on a piece of wood, and this time God would not uh, spare the sacrifice. He would actually, and Jesus would, would take the punishment for our sins. Um, just hearkening back to this story where the Lord provides a way for his people to, to have their sins forgiven, um, and the Lord's actually the one doing it. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not giving us the punishment that our sins deserve, but rather he's taking it on his son. And uh, in our in our place, he's provided. So one more uh, excerpt from this section on recalling great things God has done with the story of Mary, uh, Luke one forty six through forty nine. If I can get somebody to read. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. Um, just some incredible truths that Mary utters there. Um, this, this engaged teenage mother who has had this, uh, you know, very unexpected uh, role come up in her life to, to bear the Son of God. Um, I'm sure a lot to take in, obviously, and she's kind of, she's figuring out what's going on, but... Um, because she's humble and because she has a contrite heart and a, and a true faith in God, she rejoices and says that, and, and realizes how blessed she is and how, how and, and she says, how God, who is mighty, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So, um, just some wonderful, wonderful praise for God there for Mary. Would anybody care to share um, great things God has done in your life that... Uh, that kind of reminds you of some of these, obviously these stories are very um, powerful because we've heard them in scripture before, but. I was thinking just reading that, like I could say that exact same thing about my life and it would be no less true. Yeah. Um, just with my own salvation. Uh, like all generations will call me blessed because God sent his son to, to pay for my sins. No less blessed than Mary was. So that's just, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks, John. All right, so moving on uh, on our outline here. So because God has done such great things, letter D, his name should evoke trust from us as his people. Um, so when God's people consider the Lord, uh, we should recall that he is the one who is always faithful and whom we can always trust uh, he doesn't lie. He can't be overpowered. He can't be fooled. He can't be deceived. Um, when Garrett was teaching this, he talked about God's name being the ballast in the heart of believers uh, that holds us strong in the face of every test and trial. Um, so being in the Marine Corps, occasionally ride ships, and I'm always just stunned that, that a 
giant piece of metal that weighs that how, who knows how many tons can float. Like, how does that work? But, um, but so a ballast in a ship is, you could, they kind of put the weight in the bottom, right? So that it's, it's steady and stable. So if there's winds and waves and stuff, so the top part of the ship might, might be moving a lot, but because the ballast is in the bottom, it's, it's not going to tip over. It's, uh, it's going to endure. It's going to make it through the storm. Uh, it's going to hold, hold fast. So that's a good way to think about God's name is uh, because you live in this world, any amount of time you're going to face trials and storms. Um, so and I needed this reminder often that... Uh, that God knows what's going on. He's not surprised. He's not, uh, he's not worried and anxious like I am. Uh, he's, he's totally under control. And just how Jesus tangibly showed us that he uh, you know, can speak a word and the storms will stop, you know, God is the same way with the storms of our life. So, Can I get a couple of readers for Proverbs 18.10 and Psalm 33, 20 and 21? <laughs> Psalm 33. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our, our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Yeah, so just a couple of proofs from Scripture there. Um, that the, Lord, the Lord's name is something in which we can take refuge. Um, it's, it should comfort us. We should call upon it. We should run to it, actually, um, when things are hard. And that's actually, we had, we had a really good uh, chance to do that this week, uh, Katie and I at home, because uh, we're, <laughs> speaking of being tossed around, we're not sure where the Marine Corps is sending us next um, this summer. And we've had a couple of things come and go, so we're just kind of not sure what to believe at this point. And it's been kind of tumultuous for us personally. But, um, but it's, it was good. I, could, I mean, as it's happening, I can see it. Like, this is great. God is revealing so much to me about my heart um, and how, how fragile my contentment is based on circumstances. Um, because, uh, you know, I thought I knew what was going to happen, and it just, he showed me that I don't, that uh, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so um, no matter what happens, it's, it's, I'm glad that he put me through this to see, uh, to, to remind me to, to run to him and to, to bring things to him and not, not think that I can just handle everything on my own. Um, He's our help. He's our shield. Yeah, we trust in His holy name. Any other comments on that? That's fine. It's profound. Very simple truth, but hard at the same time. Our hearts and gladness. This is just found in trust in God. Uh, sounds so simple. Yeah. Our heart wants something else that we got. Yeah. But that's where the true refuge gladness is found. It's just in trusting God. Yeah. Yeah, we're just we're just assaulted with, daily with so many other op opinions, I guess, or uh, or theories on what makes our hearts glad or what what we need to be happy or content. Uh, that it really takes, you know, again, daily meditating in the Word to remind ourselves that true gladness uh, comes from the Lord, and that anything that we think, anything that from the world that we think is satisfying us is, is kind of fool's gold. It's not really doing that. It may, may seem like it at the time, but when you step back and really peel away the layers, uh, it's, yeah. Thank you. Could you repeat that scripture about uh, the man's step? Yeah. Um, so I'm, well, I can't tell you the chapter and verse, but uh, it's Proverbs. Uh, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. 
Anybody bail me out there? You got that memorized? Proverbs 19.21? Yeah, thanks. So yeah, so uh, just good to remember, yeah, that, uh, you know, we can pray through things and we can think, hey, Lord, you know, show me, show me where to go and feel like we're going in the right direction. Um, but ultimately, you know, he will open doors and close doors and, uh, and show us what he has for us. So, um, Yeah. So if I could just live a life of hopeful expectation in God, not in any particular direction, that's good. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's so uh it's so countercultural to uh so so much of our lives now is geared towards control, you know, everything's on our phone and it, everything's measurable and there's an app and it's like you can control everything, you know. So it's like it's getting I think it's getting harder to to wait on the Lord, to be surprised by things, to walk by faith. Um, we live in a world that, yeah, is, is conditioning our minds to, to, to not be used to doing that. There's, just no, there's no other area of our life that we do that, you know. Um, so, yeah, thanks for sharing. Okay, so moving on to letter E. God's name must be honored by God's people. Could I get someone to read uh, one of the commandments here? Exodus 20, verse 7. Thanks. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Um, the Lord cares about how His name is used. Um, I, I can't remember if, if I read this somewhere or somebody told me, but basically the kind of prompt was every time God's name leaves our lips as Christians, it should be something praiseworthy um, or it should be kind of illuminating or you know some kind of positive, um, something positive should flow out of our mouth so we're talking about God. Because, uh, I, I mean, we have nothing but good things to say about him because how good he is and how good he's been to us. Um, but, yeah, so to take, I think to take, and I appreciate comments on this, to take God's name in vain means to, to do something or say something that makes his name seem meaningless or to devalue it, um, to speak flippantly or speak deceitfully. Um, yeah, just to, to use it in a way other than, than something praiseworthy. So let's read the next two uh, verses, if we could. Ezekiel 20, 39, and Romans 2, 23, and 24. We'll just read them both and talk about them. Thanks, Josh. Can I get Romans 2, 23 and 24? You who make your boasts in the law, do you dishonor God for breaking the law? For the name of the Lord is blasphemy among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Thank you. Yeah, so, um, so these are good to meditate on uh, and just to understand that as we've, I feel like Garrett's mentioned this in, in several sermons previously uh, in the last few weeks. So we know that God knows all of our thoughts, all of our actions. Um, there's nothing that's hidden from His sight. Um, 
So, so knowing that, when we go out in the world, um, God cares about how we act and how we think. So he's, uh, in, the, in the Ezekiel verse, he's talking to the Israelites and saying, you're not listening to me, and so when you, when you pay me lip service or when you kind of go through the motions of bringing me gifts and bringing me sacrifices at the altar, he's like, I see through that. That's meaningless, and that's actually, you're profaning my name. You're, you're, making, you're cheapening it. You're making me seem worthless, like that I don't really... I'm not really worthy of any real devotion or real, um, uh, you know, trust or, or obedience. Um, you can just kind of live your own way and, and kind of act like you're following me, but not. So, so God's very, he's very righteously offended by that because it is, uh, it's wrong. And then in Romans, um, Paul, Paul connects uh, the Jews who are boasting in the law as their righteousness, um, and how it dishonors God, because they, they don't fulfill the law, despite the fact that they have a very high opinion of themselves, uh, and their, their obedience to the law, um, they're violating all over the place. And so they're actually causing unbelievers to blaspheme the name of God, to think, think less of God because of their actions. Um, so that's something God takes very serious, and, and that we should, you know, in humility and prayer, um, when we go out into the world, or when we're talking to friends and coworkers and family members and just folks that... Uh, we understand aren't Christians. Um, we carry God's name with us, as we talked about earlier, and and kind of it's like we're wearing a jersey with, you know, representing him. Uh, we're ambassadors. So, um, I work in in D.C. and do some government stuff, and uh, I think about the way an ambassador is employed in other countries. You know, when if an ambassador to, to Germany or Thailand, you know, causes some huge embarrassment um, through his personal behavior. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not really just that man or woman's private incident. You know, it's, it's a reflection on our country, the United States. And so it's, it's got larger implications. So I think um, in the same way as we're ambassadors for Christ, uh, how we act uh, around other folks um, can either magnify and glorify God or it can kind of diminish him if we're, uh, if we're not um, walking with wisdom and with uh, being salt and light. Um, common criticism you hear from, from skeptics and unbelievers are that Christians are hypocrites, so um, it's good to, uh, yeah, like I said, just, just what I do in the morning is I just kind of pray and try to steal myself for the day and say, Lord, you know, help me represent you well today. Help um, everything that I say and do and let all my conduct be above reproach. So, all right, our last letter here. Um, so God's names are given to evoke worship. Um, so after all, everything we talked about, um, God's names are given to move his people to adore and delight in God. Um, again, he's, he's not a God who's far off. He gives, us, he gives us names to call him, to draw, to, he moves towards us and calls us to draw near to him. He makes covenants and keeps covenants with us. And uh, so based on everything we talked about, he, he desires to stir up worship and devotion in our hearts um, as he is worthy. Um, so in the interest of time, let's read, uh, let's read these verses, but uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time unpacking them. We'll just uh, keep moving. So. Yeah. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory. 
Yeah, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Great, great worship song we've gotten out of that recently. Um, Matthew 6, 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yeah, just tying it back to, to letter A. So, hallowed, holy, sacred, sacrosanct. Um, I think it's good for Jesus to, uh, when, he, when he teaches us how to pray. That's kind of how he starts off, is to orient us to, to who God is and who we are. Let's get a couple of sections from John, and then we'll keep moving. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his master. They persecuted me, they will also persecute you. They kept my word, they will also keep yours. For all these things they will do to you, Yep, so again, because we carry the name of Christ, uh, we got to take, you know, we pray that God gives us the power to endure whatever scorn and persecution and whatever cross we have to bear in this world because we know it's worth it. So, on account of the name of God, um, some things will come our way. And I'll just close off here with John 17. Uh, so, this is uh, Jesus' high priestly prayer, as it's often called. So, God, uh, he's about to, he knows the crucifixion is coming, he's about to, to leave. Uh, the earth in bodily form, but he's praying to God. He says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So just, a, just an incredible uh, picture of the Trinity there that, that God manifests and magnifies God's name, or excuse me, Jesus does that. And uh, when Jesus says, I'll continue to make it known, referring to his you know, eternal position he's going to take at God's right hand and also the Holy Spirit he's going to send to dwell in our hearts and uh, continue to make God's name known and his love known in our hearts. So we're basically on the timeline I thought we'd be on. We're a little bit behind, but it's okay. Like I said, we're not going to finish it all. And this, this is great. Uh, Roman numerals 2 and 3 are, are great for further study kind of in your quiet time or in discipleship at, later on. Um, any questions so far about why God gives himself names or anything we talked about up to this point? Or any comments or edification? Yeah, sure. I just want to, you're talking about when you go out and you're representing God. Uh, um, and I was just really convicted that that, that doesn't start when you see up and show up for life. That starts at home, you know. And it starts with how you treat the people that, that we see. And, and I always kind of think that that's the measure of our character and our, our, our relationship with God is how do you treat the taxi driver when nobody else is looking? How do you treat the operator when you're frustrated on the phone? And I think if we neglect those those little places in our lives, or you know, then then the big places that is hypocrisy. And I think that's why we're, people aren't drawn to, to Christians a lot of the time because you know they're two different people. They're Christians in public and and they're different somehow. You know. You, yeah, that's a great reminder. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I, uh, I did kind of frame it in a way it talks about leaving the house, but that's a good point. And then to take that even further, you know, small private conversations. How about just like when you're by yourself, like when I'm in my car on the George Washington Parkway at rush hour, you know, like just me and God. And so that's, uh, I'm still, I'm reflecting him just as much. I'm uh, 
we're still you know vertically communicating and um, I'm either you know honoring him and respecting him or dishonoring his name so yeah thank you all right so um, with the time we have left we'll uh, briefly look through we're gonna have to abbreviate some stuff but just to, just to hit some highlights of God's names in the Old Testament and the New Testament um, so the Old Testament's rich. God uses dozens of kind of variations on his name to reveal his character to his people, but they're kind of three major buckets or three categories. Um, El, uh, Adonai, and Yahweh. So um, just looking at uh, letter A there, El. So El's a general name for God. Um, appears in the Old Testament 217 times, and it literally means power or might, and is uh, it's translated God. So it's often used like the God of blank, so it's, it's like other things are tagged onto it. Um, so, um, so I'll read 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one. It says, This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. Um, so you, fr from that you get Elohim, which is uh, the powerful ones, the mighty ones. Um, when referring to the God of the Bible, it's, it's a singular title that describes the one supreme, all-powerful God. He often uses this name when he's talking in, in the early sections of Genesis on, uh, in relation to his creation. So Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's, that's Elohim. Um, uh, just a couple more I'll highlight. So uh, El Roy, uh, the, the God who sees, that's, that's what we talked about with Hagar, Genesis 16.13. That's the only time it's actually used in the Old Testament, but um, it's Hagar's response to God seeing her in her time of distress. So, so, so you see all God. El Shaddai um, is used when God wants to declare that he's the God of all might and strength. Um, he's a mighty warrior. Um, so uh, I'll, just, I'll just highlight one verse there. So when Abram was 99 years old, this is Genesis 17:1. the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. So it's kind of a, He's showing himself to Abraham in a way that shows him as a, as a warrior and a leader uh, that Abraham, Abraham should have the faith to follow, uh, which he does. So El Olam. Um, this is being tied to, you go through all these names of God, this is what, you get into Roman and Greek mythology, and they have different gods for all these different attributes. Whereas oh, yeah. the true God, he's all of them. He's the God of all these things in the name God. And just to, again, to show what what humans can't fathom what who one God is huh. and all the different powers and that he had. You know, they we create pantheons of gods just huh. to try to summarize all this. Um, That's really great. A quick, just a side on, you were saying Elohim and saying a plural noun for God or deity in the biblical Hebrew, just how you said, um, just how, like, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. It's good, yeah, it's good, uh, definitely good to remember that, that uh, God exists as a trinity, yeah. So, uh, 
just going to go real quick here so we uh, have time to conclude at the end. But uh, Adonai, so that's, uh, that's translated master or lord, and that's, kinda, that's going after his, the, the aspect of his rule over all things. Um, he often uses this name when addressing Israel to show that he's their ruler and that uh, they're his children, and he, use, he uses his power to care for and protect them. Um, and then, so let us see, Yahweh, of all the names God uses for himself, this uh, may be the most significant. It's, uh, it's the one that the, the Jews are often, I mean, they abbreviate it that way because it's so sacred. They're, they, uh, they're careful how they use it and write it. So um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's drawing upon God's unchangeable, self-existent, transcendent, transcendent uh, nature, um, his personal covenant-keeping uh, nature, his holiness, his hatred of sin, his love of sinners. Um, so, um, yeah, there, there's there's lots of combinations that are that are tagged onto Yahweh. Um, that are you know you can study this stuff later, but uh, a lot of times you hear it say Jehovah, so Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Uh, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. So, again. Uh, It'll, it'll enrich you if you take some time to look at, look at these later, further study. Um, so let's just wrap it up with the, uh, the New Testament real quick, and then we'll pray. Um, again, not, not that this is not worthy of much longer discussion, but uh, we're limited in our time here. So um, we kind of understand that the New Testament uh, reveals something called progressive revelation, where um, not that God changes or that, you know, does, does things, um, he becomes different over time, but that as we look through scripture, he revealed himself in a progressive way to mankind. So that in Genesis 1, we don't understand God the same way we do at the end of Revelation that because of how he's shown himself to us over the centuries. So um, as Rachel mentioned, we, we see it fleshed out in the New Testament that God's eternally existed as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and so we see there's a lot of names in the Old Testament. and In the New Testament, there are fewer because there's one name that kind of becomes more prominent, and that's Jesus, um, the full and final revelation of God. Um, in whom we see the image of the invisible God. And uh, it's, it's him who... You see the way Jesus talks about God when he's on the earth, he, he very frequently refers to him as a father, um, which is, is, is uh, teaching us how to relate to him. You know, because the same way you would come to your father with requests and hoping for protection and love and guidance um, is how, how Jesus likes to talk about the father. Um, so that's... That's the first aspect. And then, obviously, Jesus. Uh, the name of Jesus derived from the Hebrew word Joshua or Yeshua, meaning Jehovah is salvation. Um, I love meditating on Matthew 121. Um, so this is uh, an angel prophesying, She will bear a son, and, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Um, you know, great way to... Um, how do you, you know, sum up Jesus in a couple of words? He's, he is salvation, and he came to earth to save us from our sins. Um, and then finally, the Holy Spirit. Uh, um, not any less uh, important than the Father or the Son, but often a less understood aspect of the Trinity. But uh, he's our helper, our comforter, our counselor, and our advocate, um, as you can see from those verses of John there. And then all the different ways that uh, the Spirit is referred to in the New Testament. Um, you can see them listed there in the paragraph, but Spirit of truth, holiness, grace, glory, Spirit of the Lord. Um, again, just kind of like the diamond analogy, these are all describing the same God, uh, the same Spirit, but just the many, many different ways that He uh, 
loves us and provides for us and um, the many ways we can understand him and how, how good he's been to us. So we are, uh, we are out of time. Um, I, again, this is, there's, uh, there's so much more meat here on the bones that I recommend you take this uh, handout um, and, and, and chew on some of these verses. Um, thank you all for your attention and your participation. Do I have any comments or questions um, before we're done? Please. Yeah. Then Joseph said, uh, sorry, then Moses said to God, if I come to people of Israel and say to them, the God of Father is to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord is God of your fathers, the God Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, is sending to you to my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for sharing. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, there's so much more we could get into, but um, if you don't mind, I'm gonna pray to close us, and then we'll uh, go to church. Father, thank thank you so much for your word. Um, we thank you that you love us so much that you provide us with a Bible in our language that we can read and understand, and that it is just rich beyond measure with truth and understanding um, of who you are, what you've done in the past, what you promised to do in the future, how good you are, how faithful you are. When you make a promise and a covenant, you keep it 100% of the time. And I just, uh, although we left... A lot of meat on the bone this morning, Lord. I just pray for everyone here, uh, myself included, that you would again make our hearts good soil for the gospel. Um, that it would actually it would actually change us when we think about how your name sets you apart because you're holy. How you give salvation to us, you offer it through Christ. Um, how your name brings to mind the great things you've done, both personally in our lives and for for cultures and nations and, um, and humanity over the centuries. Uh, how your name should provoke us to trust you um, and worship you. And uh, I just, I, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for the glory that you are due. Um, and I, I pray that as we go from here, that we, um, we hold your name in high esteem. And when we use it, um, both privately and publicly, that... It is, uh, we're, we're honoring you, we're praising you, um, and we're marked by uh, a reverence uh, and love and admiration for your name. So thank you for what you've done for us, who you are, how good you are to us, and uh, just thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that enables us to um, do things that we can't do in our own strength, in our own flesh, and to walk in a way that brings you honor and glory. And so we thank you and we ask you for this help in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah.